continuing completed classics, fulfilling failed franchises, reinvigorating reviled rehashes. It's the follow-up showdown with Paul Getz, Travis McMaster, and Lauren Accordi. Hello, uppers and downers, and welcome to the follow-up showdown to Nerds in Quarantine, where we give worthy second chapters to stories that don't have them. I am, and I'm very excited to say this, your host with the most, Paul Getz, and with me are my co-hosts with the co-most, Travis McMaster and Lauren Picorni. How are you guys? Ayo. Deadly boo. I prefer uh, assistant to the regional co-host. Uh, All right. That's an okay thing to do. Uh, If this is the first time you're tuning in, the way we shake loose around here is we look at a movie with either no sequel or a sequel that's qualifications fail to impress and each take a turn proposing our own versions of a better one. Sound good? Well, it's about to get better because today we are joined by the guests who are the best, a pair of writer, producer, directors, one of whom is also a fantastically talented actor, and both of whom are adored friends and basically former roommates of mine, Zach and Becca White. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. Wow. Can I just say (laughs) right at the top, I am absolutely overflowing with rage that... Steve and Katie were the first repeat guests before me. Wow. Mm. Do you feel better? Well, Got that no. off your chest then? No. You're still overflowing with rage. Hopefully we'll, we can work that out by the end of this, but if not, I maybe think there needs to we'll be get Steve a, and Katie involved. Uh, yeah, there needs to be some sort of battle of the returning Ooh. favorites. See, I, I keep track of these things in my head, and I call anyone who is returning and whose pitch won a follow-up showdown all-star which you are, Zach, and which Steve also was, but Steve's Um, record is no longer perfect. I I feel like the (laughs) all-star designation, uh, you know, for people whose pitches are overlooked for, you know, uh, bullshit reasons or whatever, um, I I don't know, that just feels like a big term that some people are getting locked out of. You're a co-host, so you couldn't be one anyway, but... (laughs) Maybe we should get less locked into the dogma of what it means to be an all-star and unify ourselves together as one podcast and just be here together. Can I just set a counterpoint and I think we should get into the minutia of the dogma? Okay, well, that (laughs) is fine. What that sounds like is that Becca's so confident in her pitch, she thinks she's walking (laughs) away with the all-star, so this is a deflection. I don't trust it. Thank you for seeing that and pointing that out. (laughs) Well, before we get into that, or perhaps in Instead of doing that, let's get into what movie we're talking about today. It is a movie that we've lovingly reserved just for you two. 1988's supernatural comedy classic, Beetlejuice. Why do you think we picked this movie for you guys? Well, we dressed our one-year-old up as Beetlejuice last Halloween. (laughs) There's something uh, there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think the last not to not to date this podcast, but the last seven blah 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 months, mm-hmm. uh, we felt very much like the Maitlands. Yeah. We're we're mm-hmm. trapped in mm-hmm. this house. Uh-huh. Mm. 
sandworms everywhere. I thought it was because you two used to regularly just scare people out of their homes. <laughs> yeah. Bio-exorcists. Professional. Bio-exorcists. The fun hobby when you're yeah. not parenting. I did, Do I did, we did all feel the, uh, the connection to the Maitlands as they were just like in the attic and he's, you know, doing his, his, um, models and she's cleaning. I'm like, this is just us. And I'm like, wait, did we die in March? Mm, yeah. That's a very good I, possibility. I have asked that question many times. In case there's anybody out there who hasn't seen this movie, uh, let's jump right into the Minute with McMaster. A Minute with McMaster. Travis, are you ready to explain the full movie in a minute, or would you like to offer the task to our guests? Of course, of course, devotees will remember that I always offer the McMaster Minute to the guest. It's produced some scintillating and interesting minutes. Uh, so if either one of you want to take the minute, join the Halls of Heroes. I feel like it's much more fun mm -hmm. for me <laughs> to watch you do it. Mm. Yeah. It's one of the few joys in my life. <laughs> Get him one day. All right, you ready, Travis? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Go. Uh, the plot of this one's actually... Uh, pretty straightforward. Um, <laughs> let me that again. Uh, the Maitlands are taking a staycation in their small Connecticut town to continue uh, decorating their house. They are immediately killed by a stray dog. Uh, they get back <laughs> to their home to sort of immediately figure out that they're dead. Um, but it's presented in a really unique, distinct way. Ah, fuck. Anyway, then... Uh, the Dietzes move in to their home because the Maitlands are dead. They do not get along because they are cool New York hipsters and the Maitlands are squares. And then the Maitlands want to scare them out, so they try to enlist the help of Beetlejuice a little bit, but are immediately turned off to that idea. And then the Dietzes try to use the Maitlands as ghost props for their trendy boss, accidentally exercise them. Lydia Dietz, the daughter, has to get Beetlejuice help to now save the Maitlands. Then he tries to double-cross her, and then a sandworm kills him, and then right, that's the end okay. of the movie. He just, just, just got there. He's never, he's never counted me down before. I, I gave you the ten seconds at the top that you... I love the thought of the stray dog killing yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> that paints a much more grisly picture. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess, okay, so Lauren and I were talking about this last night watching the movie. The plot of the film... I don't want to say there is no plot. Obviously, there is, but it, it's really like everything that happens, all the uh, danger happens at the very last scene. Mm. Yeah, it's very, it's very hard plot to nail down. It's, it's uh, the structure is is crazy, and it works beautifully. Yes. yes. Well, I was saying it feels like how much of this was scripted? They was in the script literally. Giant um, Gina Davis picks up Beetlejuice. He becomes prickly. She drops him. Still prickly. He summons a a bordello and goes inside. Is that in the script? Yeah, absolutely. I would well, say okay. in a few more just, words, but yeah. Well, we just say Gina Davis. He, what did I say? That's a joke about how tall oh, she is. Uh, <laughs> speaking of Gina Davis, this is our third Gina Davis movie this season. Ooh. And our first Michael Keaton movie ever, even though he comes up constantly. Also, I would like to point out that he doesn't summon the bordello. Juno does, which we find out later. Yeah. But uh, before the it even appears, he's looking true. around like, "Where can I trade?" <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. He's, 
He's feeling frisky, and then it pops yeah. up. I do want to note that I spent a lot of my morning driving around trying to find bug juice because I have a Beetlejuice coaster. It's my only piece of Beetlejuice mm. oh, swag. swag. And I couldn't find bug juice. I've never had bug juice, but it seemed like a Beetlejuice thing. But I did find a Zagnut bar, which okay. I'm... Oh, yeah. it, Feels gross good. in the wrapper, so we'll see. It's, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> crunchy peanut butter and toasted coconut. Sounds okay. good yeah. to me. You could have just gone like uh, Minute Maid orange juice. <sighs> good call. Yeah. <laughs> I thought maybe the the parents of the one year old would immediately have a oh bug juice fifth yeah, and western. Yeah. We make our own. It's organic. Oh. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, real bugs. <laughs> As to your questions about the script. It's a good transition for me into my writer's notes, of which there are some interesting ones. So the original script was written by Michael McDowell, who wrote The Nightmare Before Christmas and Thinner, and then television-wise wrote for Hitchcock Presents, Tales from the Crypt, Tales from the Dark Side, Amazing Stories, and Stephen King's Golden Tales. So this guy is all about spooky stories. So supposedly his version of the script was much, much darker. In it, Beetlejuice was a winged demon and was just more about murdering everybody than general mischief uh, and perversion. So Larry Wilson, collaborator of Tim Burton's, was brought in to help punch up the script. He also wrote The Addams Family and The Little Vampire. But then there was some sort of working issue between Tim Burton and this writing team. So they were pushed out. Warren Scarin was brought in, who wrote Top Gun, Beverly Hills Cop 2, and 1989's Batman, and he's the one who finally turned the movie into what it became. Oh, and supposedly, Michael Keaton ad-libbed 90% of his lines. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I had, a, I had a thought, and let me see what y'all think about this. We only have Michael Keaton as Batman because we have Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice. If he had never worked with Keaton on Beetlejuice, he probably wouldn't even thought to cast him. Yeah, it would have it would have been a, an interesting world to see who could have been pretty iconic Batman. I like. do know that Keaton initially refused this role because he didn't get the script. But then after seeing Pee-wee's Big Adventure and meeting with Tim Burton, he agreed to sign on. <laughs> I think if I just read this script totally blind, not knowing who Tim Burton was, I don't think I'd yeah. get it either. Tim Burton's original choice for Beetlejuice was Sammy Davis Jr. The studio didn't <laughs> like it. Then one of the producers' next uh, idea was Sam Kinison, mm. who I believe Burton shot down. And then Tim Burton's next thought was Arnold Schwarzenegger, who he went so far as to approach with it, but he was busy with Total Recall. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Can't even begin that to is a, <laughs> I could see yeah. Sammy Davis Jr. long, or Sam Kinison long before Arnold. Let's look at Jingle All the Way or Batman and Robin. H He's not afraid of it's it. It's showtime. No, he's not. You know, <laughs> whether it's effective or not. <laughs> the original director okay. sought for this movie was Wes Craven uh, when it was a darker flick. The other actor the who made it to the end for the character Lydia, the end uh, of auditions, was Alyssa Milano. Okay. Um, uh, Kirstie Alley was the original choice for Barbara. <laughs> Ooh, oh my God! Would have been okay. The, yeah, you know, fine. No. Uh, to be honest, this time <laughs> around, I um, 
you know, I guess I think of the Maitlands as the main characters, but once their once their situation is sort of explained, I kind of feel like they're just reacting. Yeah, but it's still I think it's still their story. They're the ones that have to come to terms with something. Yeah. They're the ones that that have a, a character arc. I, I I don't think Lydia really has much of an arc. Obviously, Beetlejuice doesn't. Mm. Uh, I think it is it is very much the main mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. Their problem. Yeah, sure. I found sort of what is ultimately I, their final decision. I mean, it, like it made enough sense, but I feel like there's just so many set pieces they need to get through and concepts that they need to explain that the arc is kind of pushed on the back burner. And then by the time you hear Barbara say, I want to be with Lydia, it's just sort of like, okay, yeah. You know, I, I guess that the... Yeah. Mm-hmm. They do they do come to that conclusion before the mm-hmm. climax, and then it's just putting back all the pieces to the puzzle they threw yeah. all over the floor. I heard uh, Gina Davis was the very first to sign yes. on. Well, and uh, most of the other actors thought then- the script was too weird, but... Having just done the fly on this show, very understandable yeah. how she was cool with it. She had such a crazy <sighs> few years, but she shot the fly like back to back with Transylvania Six Five Thousand. So her and Jeff Goldblum were Which like we together. <laughs> well, Earth Girls Are Easy has to be yeah. in there somewhere. Yeah, that's true. He stayed the the Davis Goldblum <laughs> trilogy. <laughs> Delia was originally offered to Angelica Houston, who had a scheduling conflict. I'm sure she would have been great, but, I mean, wow. Catherine O'Hara. And and honestly, if you have Angelica Houston as Delia, I don't know if she's Morticia it's later good. on. And, my God, what, what how more yeah. perfect could you be? Right. And, so. and Angelica's energy almost certainly would have been way more mm-hmm. laid back mm-hmm. and way more, like, cool, sophisticated New York, yeah. whereas Catherine was just like, no, no, I'm gonna just peel the wallpaper yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i think you need her like uh her uh um her humor and like eccentricity yes. to really like pull it all together and travis mm-hmm. uh, technically she spray yeah. paints the wallpaper well <laughs> she wor- worth mentioning now that while they did also dress flynn their one-year-old up as beetlejuice for that same halloween i believe zach was otho and becca was delia that's correct. Yeah. I was not a very good Otho. I couldn't, I wanted the blue leisure suit and I couldn't find it in time. So mm-hmm. I had to be just like black suit Otho. And that just looks yeah. like a normal dude. Yeah. You're just, not but really that is um, yeah. Otho's true form. I will, it's this time around, it was especially to me as a kid. I guess it made sense. But when that his ultimate punishment is he is stripped of his black clothes and given a blue leisure suit, I, it's a weird joke. As a child, yeah, he's I, given bad style. I thought Beetlejuice That's put him in his too. pajamas. And those were... <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. I just thought he was embarrassed to be seen in his... Yeah. In his jammies. But even still, he is so responsible for some of the worst mm. parts of the mayhem that I, yeah. I feel he deserved a little bit more comeuppance. And, oh, like, but... Robert Goulet straight up died. I guess so. I mean, they... Right? <laughs> him and his wife just died. <laughs> They're shot through a ceiling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think Beetlejuice lets Otho off easy because they're both like tricksters. He's like, ah, this guy. Yeah, I don't think Beetlejuice thinks of anyone. I just think he ran out of time. He wanted to get his thing going, his wedding. Mm, True. Which I don't think was mentioned in the minute, but... (laughs) (laughs) At this point, the listeners are not relying on the McMaster minute for information, right? Uh... (laughs) 
I couldn't tell you. I never talked to him. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah, Zach. There's no way. I, um, the listeners. I mean, I've seen most of the movies of the episodes <laughs> I've listened to, so hard to say. Yeah, that makes sense. Could have just. Yeah. Oh man, it's very helpful. All right. <laughs> well, I'm. I I got fun facts. I'll save them for later. Uh, right now, let's get a little personal here. What, what you know? What are what are what are everybody's feelings on the movie? Their their experiences with the movie. I mean, I think it's beautiful. My God, every like every single time I watch it, I I, I just find pure joy somewhere. Mm -hmm. It's so crazy and weird, and I'm such a structure and plot guy, and this one is so undefinable. It's like it looks like magic to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we were talking about this the other night, you know, really marveling at like, I can't really put my finger on what this movie is. It's you can't really name it. It's it's yeah. kind of like hearing taste or smelling sound like you just <laughs> you can't you're playing in a universe. You're not really and it, yeah. it, it you're experiencing it on so many levels and you can't quite know what you're feeling when you're watching it. I can't know word for it like it there's nothing i can compare it yeah. to there's other elements you can obviously draw in but mm -hmm. the closest next comparison is going to be something tim mm -hmm. burton or henry Selleck. yeah, yeah. Exactly. edward scissorhands is probably the first thing i think of that's even like mm -hmm. playing even with then, some of the same even yeah. then beetlejuice has such a chaotic energy because again you said yeah. keaton improvised 90 percent of his lines and <laughs> yeah. it's just like yeah it's almost like capturing a performance artist well, but like seeing and, and experiencing and hearing everything that they're wanting you to. Yeah. And I mean, very. And Tim Burton is is something like a performance artist with his uh, style and like how he builds his worlds. And this one, I feel like more so than most, which are just sort of like, OK, here's the world that you're going to be in. There's just layers upon layers of ideas that build this yeah. world. There's not only the afterlife world that they give you, which is a complete world in its own right. There's the house that gets weirder because Delia is an artist and her sculptures are there. And then there's the model, which is an active part of the plot as well, yeah. in which you see, you know. And it's, it's all grounded by the Maitland story. So it doesn't float away too much because they are kind of the heart. You know, as a kid, I was introduced to Beetlejuice by the cartoon. So sure. by the time I saw the movie, it was odd to me that he's not in every scene. And, um, and that he's not like best buds with Lydia. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. And really, I mean, I don't think I noticed this as a kid, but definitely in my last viewing, he's not likable at all. I mean, he's <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he's fun and funny to watch. Straight up reprehensible, yeah. Yeah, you, you couldn't stand him for even a second. Like they, as soon as they meet him, it is very apparent that they're not going to mm -hmm. give him a chance. He, he is very much the villain of the movie. Yes. I also like that he's not a villain because he's a ghost, because all of the other ghosts are relatively yeah. normal. And one of them, the meanest ghost is like, oh, him? He yeah. sucks. <laughs> like, he was probably a jerk in life, yeah. too. Well, but I would say for the, what is it? I think like 14 and a half minutes or whatever that he's on screen. Yeah, 17, I believe. Ba basically, for what everybody is given, I would say maybe besides the Dietzes, he feels like he's in it just as much as anybody else. Because he's so important. And I would yeah. go as far to argue if he was in any more of the movie, he wouldn't be as special. It's That's like, true. you know, it when you hide the monster in a horror movie, they are scarier. It's Jaws. When you see Jaws, he's terrifying because yeah. his presence is in the rest of the movie. Kind of the same way, like, you're thinking about Beetlejuice 
before you meet Beetlejuice. Yeah, you, they talk about him a lot. He's got the commercial. He's got mm-hmm. he kills the fly. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's a lot of good. And people. so if you if you saw Beetlejuice, if you like listened to Beetlejuice more when he finally popped up, it would be great, but it wouldn't be as memorable. Yeah. Right, like how many minutes in are we in the film? When he... I think it was like 35, 40 before yeah. he actually. He doesn't meets the actually. Meet yeah. The Maitlands until. Also, because the <clears throat> everything in the whole movie is so ill defined, you literally only get enough definition to know what you're bouncing off of for conflict if you throw him in in a proper way at any moment he'll instantly take take over everything and the only way to defeat him is to have a a ghost from outer space ride a monster (laughs) yeah yeah that i have some questions about the logistics of that given what is established before that but you know, I'll no, let that, it that finale makes absolutely zero sense for what they set up, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, I know that the part where Barbara punches the sandworm and it just kind of reels back that is supposed to give definition to the idea that she's good with them, but it's huh. very slow. Oh. Anytime they go outside the house and they're on Saturn, time moves faster. You know, he she was out for two hours when he or whatever, right? So when she gets sent to Saturn by Beetlejuice at the end. And then she comes through on the sandworm 15 seconds later. Yeah. That means the way time moves, she would have had to land on the sandworm on its way down. Like, and she... that <laughs> being the case, I don't know why they established that time moves differently at all, because it yeah. only plays into that one scene where she says it. Cause it, yeah. Every other time no. they go outside, it it's awesome. it's fun. And it always felt weird to me no, because that's the very first thing go. that she says to him when she pulls him back. She's like two hours. Yeah. It's like, first of all, she doesn't know that he wasn't out there two hours as well. It's not like he said, "Man, that was a rough five right. seconds." <laughs> she has no reason to think that he was there a different amount of time than her. It's a very good point. But it's also when they go to see Juno for the first time. Yeah. Three months have passed Mm -hmm. in their home. But that is a different world they're in. They are not right outside the house on Saturn. They're in, I don't think they give it a name. They're in the underworld or whatever. Are you like that? That that ghost is just transported to through space to real Saturn with stop motion sandworms that you can ride back to your home planet? Honestly, this is an excellent... I mean, I don't think we're going to, we're not going to get anywhere with these questions, Uh, but this is a, I I am glad that we are talking about the rules because there are a lot of rules established, but they're not firmly explained. Another of which is that you do hear, and I don't know, maybe I just missed this somewhere, but you do know that the Maitlands will be stuck in their house as part of their afterlife for 125 years. Yeah. But what happens after that? Is that explained? I always assumed it was sort of that's when you can move on to the to real afterlife. Heaven or not whatever. everyone okay. stays behind. Yeah. I, I gather. Oh. It's routine haunting to yeah, me. Not suggest. everyone is ghosts. Okay. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. So it's like Frighteners rules, basically. So yeah, it's the like Maitlands died quickly and unexpectedly, so they're ghosts. So they have unfinished business, basically, is the Yeah, we're the Casper rules. Okay, sure. But a hundred, but also a firm hundred and twenty-five year sentence comes along. You can't get around the bureaucracy, Paul. Okay. Well, that's that is definitely established in the movie, mm-hmm. very much so. As a kid, it didn't, it didn't, I didn't even notice because yeah. it's like I don't care what's going on. Where's Beetlejuice? Actually, Lauren, uh, did you watch this as yeah. a kid? 
No, I was going to say, um, we like, I've only, this was only the second time that we watched it last night. And I realized I didn't re like retain any information. So this was kind of like my first time watching it. And, um, it's very odd. Like I, afterwards, not like in a mean way. I said, I can't, I'm really surprised how popular this movie is. It's just, it's, it's so strange. It does feel like there was like a very short script that someone like Tim Burton just really wanted to make. And he's like, we'll fill in, we'll fill in the gaps with cool like effects have been wanting to try. I know Roger Ebert gave it two out of four stars or something. And his big complaint was that he wishes that he, they would have stuck with the Maitland's story made it a complete story about them and their sweetness and their love for each other and left out all these fun wacky set pieces but i disagree with that completely and i say that what works so what works about the movie is the fun because there are no gaps right. in what's new and fun yeah. what you're and being shown. i feel like for me and and this could just be the way that i consume movies in general like all that stuff you guys just said about Saturn and shit, I don't remember any of that happening in this yeah. movie. I don't remember the rules. I don't remember the plot. And I just watched it like last week. Because it's such a dreamlike film and because the Maitlands only react so much to everything. So as a kid, I just had no clue what was going on. And I assumed it was because I was five, but it's just a bizarre movie no matter how old you are. Right. Yeah. Plot aside, what unquestionably works about the movie is yeah. the characters. Yeah. I mean, it's not just, I mean, Beetlejuice mm -hmm. obviously stands out, but the Dietzes yeah. are wonderful. All, all three of them in their own individual ways, and they're all on their own separate journeys with their own separate character arcs, and they're such full, memorable, wonderful. It, it uh, wasn't until the last uh, viewing or two, and especially when Becca was putting, away, putting her Halloween costume together last year, that we realized that every single costume Delia is is in is asymmetric. Like mm. There's always, she always just has one glove on or like yeah. one earring on or right. that there's, there's always something off about every piece of clothing she puts on. Well, there were a couple really fun things I noticed. One was the, when she has the gloves in her hair yeah. mm -hmm. as part as, as an outfit. And then the other, when she is wearing what I think is Charles's sweater yeah. as pants. Like, why? <laughs> uh, that was yeah. be my unsung hero. So the hip that just folk felt are wearing... like a Catherine oh. O'Hara choice because she does a lot of uh, that kind of stuff on Schitt's Creek too. Yeah. I feel like just something she thinks is very funny for rich people is that they don't know how to do clothes properly and they just sort of wing it. Well, I, I do know that it was Catherine O'Hara who suggested that the music for the possession scene be the Calypso. It was written as a song. I don't know what song. The only thing I could find was it was supposed to be a song by the Ink Spots in that scene. Wow. Uh, and then the final scene uh, where Lydia's floating dancing, yeah. that was supposed to be When a Man Loves a Woman. Whoa. Which I don't think Calypso is such a <laughs> like a part of the DNA of that oh, movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When a man loves a woman, so we're all supposed to like walk out of the theater as a teenager is dancing with football players. Well, I think... a man loves a woman. <laughs> My guess would be that maybe it was supposed to be like a sweeter, like the Maitlands dancing, you know, and in love while she Ugh. floats <laughs> nearby. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's impossible, impossible to imagine, especially. And I do know that Tim Burton <laughs> was worried about the clips, uh, the 
Deo scene because he didn't think it was it was funny, and then it ended up being massive hit. One of the biggest laughs for me and my brother when we were kids was during that scene, the face that um, Mr. Dietz makes when Tarantula yeah. around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's like half in control, <laughs> half horrified. Yeah. Killed him. Yeah. It is an interesting, <laughs> the magic in that scene is very interesting in general because like uh, when they are in control and when they are not is... I mean, I guess you do know the actors always make very clear choices, like when Otho starts doing the drum and then goes, what? What? I'm doing a drum? But I would like to see the Maitlands running around moving them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because <laughs> they're pretty busy. They would have to. Yeah. And it was just two of them. How many shrimp hands do they right. have? What is their power set? I mean, I guess I don't really want a scene where they have, like, the textbook open and they're, like, yeah. going, like, okay. And then I'll it is, pull my nose. It's a huge jump from sheets with holes cut yeah. out to possessing six people around a table. But remember, before we even got to sheets with holes, Gina Davis was like, so obviously I'm going to tear my face off just the skin. <laughs> the Maitlands in general don't try anything before they just go, well, what do we, <sighs> we need help. Let's get that Beetlejuice guy. Let's, you know, and then they try him, and then immediately Barbara's like, forget it. I have an idea. This might be why it, a movie that is as baffling and honestly as genuinely scary as Beetlejuice is yeah. at times can appeal to young mm -hmm. children is because that's how kids live their lives too. They just kind of like do stuff, immediately change their mind, a consequence happens, and they go, well, what? Yeah. That's yeah. very uh, true to life right now. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, you have in your notes about um, the change from Beetle Geese to Beetle well, Because we were working with subtitles, and at no point did it say Beetlejuice the way the title is spelled. It always said Beetlejuice. What I, yes. So it is pronounced Beetlejuice, and he is named after a right. star that is in the constellation Orion. Fun fact about the star Beetlejuice is that's the star that the crew was trying to get to in the original Planet of the Apes. Oh, yeah. that's interesting. But the reason that they changed the title to Beetlejuice is the studio said, no one will know how to say this. Like a studio note. Yeah, yeah. All right. which makes sense. You know, what's funny is based on what we've talked about today, it's po entirely possible the cartoon makes more sense than the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it does. Well, yeah. it plays by children's animation rules, which is very simple. They, yeah. they're, they're buds. Oh, no, no. Beetlejuice has to do a car wash. Right. right. There, there, gonna no, help there are no Maitland. Also, but I feel like that's that to me is like what the movie is. It's just a universe to play in that that one movie isn't enough. It's just not, you know. Yeah. It's you're oh. setting up. It's, it's why I don't I feel like I could watch it over and over and over again and see something new every time because we don't go far enough into it. If you do go, this is why I've always been, uh, this is not the podcast to mention this on, but this is why I've always been against a sequel for the movie is if you- This if is you, absolutely the podcast to mention this on. That's a question that we ask every episode. <laughs> oh, is it? oh, I don't understand what this podcast is. But I feel like if you go more, any more you go into it, the less interesting it is. Every new answer you get, you're just going to go, oh, okay, that's how that works. Like that's the, appeals, less fun. The, the appeal is in the chaos. The know. fact that you yeah. don't know what's going on. Yeah. Well, Again, it feels like I, magic. You can't see the strings because they don't show you how the trick is done. 
Mm-hmm. See, but also, I feel like that is the magic of a universe like this. It's like there's no rules on it, so there's nowhere you could go that doesn't push somewhere that you can't create new because if they're omnipotent and they can time travel and it's such a flexible universe, you can't like put any rules on it because suddenly we're like being chased by sandworms and like yeah, I feel like that's a that's a beautiful thing and. I think everything should be Beetlejuice. Just every show ever. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, I'm just going to talk about a little bit about other quote unquote sequels to this movie that do exist. And then we'll get into the questions and into the pitches. So there's... oh, can I just real quick, I just want to point out something. I think it's so refreshing and nice to see a, especially from the 80s, just like a married couple who like each other. Mm-hmm. And in a super normal way, they're not they're not like doing normal husband and wife things and liking each other like you see people write stiffly. They're just acting how any one of us would have acted with. They're they're comfortable in their marriage, which is mm-hmm. which is rare. There is zero conflict in how they feel for each other. It's mm-hmm. a very it's a, such a position of strength and it's so refreshing. Yeah. yeah. And I, I jumping off of that when it comes to the Dietzes. What I really like is the arc we're given about their marriage, because in the beginning, what we know about Charles is that he all he wants to do is relax in his lovely country home. He mm-hmm. doesn't want his super artistic wife to change anything, but of course she's going to. You And you know Lydia doesn't really get along with her. So it's like there's a lot of like on the rocks about them. But then as the movie progresses, Charles, the real Charles comes out. And you see how business-minded and mm-hmm. hungry yeah, yeah, that he is. And you understand why they work and why they connect with each other. Mm-hmm. Because and then in the end, there's a good kind of symmetry, a, a synergy of all of their energies. Like, they, they all seem content. Yes, that's true. Celia gets to be weird. Charles gets to relax. They, I mean, sort of. And, yeah. you know, and what's nice about it is no one has to change. They don't do the nonsense where uh, Lydia's suddenly wearing like a pink outfit. She still modified her school uniform to incorporate more black. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Celia is isn't the like perfect country housewife. It's, yes. Yeah. They're just and doing I, their own thing and they found a balance. It's and, a nice message of acceptance instead of compromising yourself when delia unlike otho is a character that i was glad to not see get any comeuppance because it's like she is so much a part of the problem throughout the movie she's the thing that's pushing things to a head Mm -hmm. i hated her as a kid yeah but she's (laughs) she was she was the one that was always like getting in the way and lydia didn't get along with her and it was a kid I never quite understood the dynamic of the movie because to me, the Maitlands didn't look like bumpkins. They just look normal because I'm in Kansas. Mm. And the Dietzes, I didn't read that they were dicks because I'm still me. So to me, <laughs> I thought they were cool New Yorkers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. artists and who are a little eccentric. But I didn't read at all that they were supposed like who what their characters were. Uh, re- real quick, just to throw this out there because I thought it was interesting and I haven't said it yet, and then we'll move on to the like getting this going. But uh, apparently, Alec Baldwin does not like this movie, and does not, oh, does not like <laughs> does not like his performance in it either. Which I think. I mean, we were com- we were commenting when we were watching it how unlike every other Alec Baldwin performance this is, and how refreshing that yeah. is to watch. He's great. He's he's never more likable than he is in this movie. Yeah, and those glasses, so of course, he does go like a him. really long way of of making him Adam as opposed to Alec. Yeah, 
I wonder what role he does like. He loves himself on Match Game. You can really tell. Hmm. Um, the Departed. You yeah. just don't see, you know, Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin in a role like this ever again. Mm. Yeah, just you don't see them playing sort of just normal people ever again, and they they don't have to do their nor like their crazy crazy shtick because the world does it for them, and it's like they can just exist on that level you know throughout the movie and just let the world do what the world's supposed to do to them yeah Mm -hmm. well and famously this is michael keaton's favorite role of his own ever which makes sense sure but i don't think this is the only time he's gotten to do that kind of thing it's the only time he's gotten to do it in makeup you know (laughs) right but i remember seeing much ado about nothing with him, the Kenneth Branagh movie, and thinking, mm. this is Beetlejuice. He's doing a live Beetlejuice. He's even got the gut <laughs> and the gross hair. Okay, so the other sequels that exist for this movie are, of course, the cartoon, as we've mentioned, uh, takes place in, I would say, like an alternate universe where he's just kind of Lydia's bud who lives in the underworld separately and visits the house and causes mischief. And she has she chants and she can go into the neither world and have adventures there with him. Of course, well, not of course, but for those who don't know, since, pretty much since right after Beetlejuice was a hit, there has been a sequel discussed called Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. It was Tim Burton's choice to do go into Batman instead. What I know of the bones of the story is that it's about the Dietz family moving to Hawaii, Charles is developing a resort, but they're they're building it on top of an ancient burial ground of a Hawaiian kahuna. Mm-hmm. And then the spirit comes back to life to cause trouble. And Beetlejuice becomes a hero by winning a surf contest. <laughs> now, damn it. I got the other my pitch. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it, it, it might've sort of like we've talked about before with ghostbusters between ghostbusters one and two, the cartoon having an effect. It, it seems like what they were, maybe going for is making Beetlejuice a good guy. Yeah. Which I don't know. I don't think you can or should do. Personally, no. I don't no. think so. I, I mean, I I, yeah. I think there's a way to do that. They did it with Godzilla. They did it with the Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> tried to do it a little bit with Hannibal, but I, I think you're right. I don't really think it would be that much fun to see like a little girl holding Beetlejuice's hand and he's like, come on, little juice and puts her on her shoulders or something. (laughs) So then as far as like the writers of that, it was originally given to Daniel Waters, uh, an old collaborator of Tim Burton's. Then Kevin Smith got a pass in 1996. And then as recently as 2015, Tim Burton's now collaborator, Seth Graham Smith took a pass at it again. But it's always been that same script. Well, so they should, yeah, it. or just not, <laughs> not, also like not to or let it go. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I want to see contemporary Burton try and tackle this. Mm. True. I haven't seen Dumbo. Everybody seems to say think that's a good one. Who's, what? What? The Keaton <laughs> Dumbo. Who? But who's who's yeah. this? Everyone. Oh, uh, say the name of one person you know personally <laughs> who likes this movie. Rotten Tomatoes. No. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes doesn't count. That's a... Okay. That's what I thought. Mm. That's what I thought. All right. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, okay. So then, you know, we've kind of all danced around this over and over again, but 
first first question should this movie have a sequel i think it should yeah yeah. No, I'm, yeah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Because I said three times oh. that it didn't. I thought that'd get a laugh. Uh, Zach just made a face at me. Like, oh. I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of stuff to go into. I think you could do a sequel or a prequel, and you could probably come up with something pretty great. I mean, Hello? yeah, it is, <laughs> it is a such a perfect movie that I don't want to demystify, and I don't want to ruin by by having a bad entry. But having said that. I want more Beetlejuice. Mm. Okay. Now, the character or just the world in general? Like, could you be happy with a Beetlejuice sequel that doesn't include Beetlejuice? Um, no. Okay. No, I think I need the character there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm. To what extent? More? Same? Less? Save I mean, it for the pitch. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, how about you, Becca? What, what are your thoughts? Um, I... I actually am going to be controversial and say I'm not sure I need a person to portray Beetlejuice, but I would be okay with having him have a sort of um, a legacy, like mm. repurpose and Beetlejuice. He still has agency in the story, but not necessarily portrayed by, like he doesn't come into the room ever. So you would Just, want like... Like oh. the Furious presents Beetlejuice too, just with like other characters in the Beetlejuice world, and every, and then at the end Beetlejuice shows up in the car and he's like, "I heard you're pretty fast." Yeah, <laughs> almost like he's he's become he's become part of the culture and is mm -hmm. you know still like maybe he's on an island somewhere. He's not participating in the active stories but he's sort of if he's gonna be on an island i'd like to pitch hawaii <laughs> okay well <laughs> i would like a beetlejuice sequel that starts with him still in that waiting room with a huge number and it wow. finally hits his number like 30 years later and he's like all right that's that's pretty awesome. great right. yeah well let's um Fun. not just take ideas that are maybe in other people's <laughs> yeah. there first. if it'd be ridiculous we're getting into it now okay so then uh real quick second question sequel or prequel what's the sweet spot if you're gonna do it sequel. uh a sequel yeah probably a sequel yeah. I, I say sequel also things i would maybe want to know from a prequel something about lydia's mom Ooh. like her original mom I, um, I think it goes into prequels are usually there to answer unanswered questions, and I don't want them answered, so I don't want a prequel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, a sequel, I think. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> okay, well, with that being firmly established, let's uh, get into these pitches. Anyone want to go first? Can I go first? Yes. Yes. I want to get mine out of the way. That's I'm sold. Not to oh, get y'all too excited about it. I'll go first tonight. Mine is called uh, Beetlejuice 2020. <laughs> I'm already scared. <laughs> um, for his naughtiness, Beetlejuice has been assigned to social work. 32 years in, he finally develops a way to escape. He makes it out into the real world and finds a body to possess. A wealthy, bi a wealthy businessman, played by Michael Keaton. Oh. Oh. So Beetlejuice lives out his vices, dreams, and shenanigans as a real boy. <laughs> uh, but 
Agents from the afterlife are on the hunt for him, so he has to evade them along the way. Beetlejuice reunites with a familiar face when he runs into Lydia Dietz. She says she, he seems familiar, but she can't place him. They become friends and hang out over time. Beetlejuice, like, sort of being less shitty than he actually is to try to get close to her. Beetlejuice puts on the charm and woos her. They're getting cozy one evening when Lydia suddenly pulls out a device that exercises and traps Beetlejuice's essence. Turns out Lydia is a ghost and the afterlife has recruited her to help them trap Beetlejuice. Mm. Lydia returns Beetlejuice to the deathly realm where he's banished to the room of exercised souls for eternity. Lydia herself then returns to haunting her childhood home with the Matlins. Maitlands. Maitlands. That's all. Cool. I just have one. uh, For what purpose is Beetlejuice courting Lydia? Um, he's shitty. (laughs) (laughs) He he wanted to marry her at one point. There's like something inside him that's like, yeah, this will be, this will be fun. So like revenge. I thought it was just general, uh, lasciviousness. Yeah. Just like he's, he's lecherous and gross. He's like, Hey, I remember her, Uh, you know? (laughs) Okay. It kind of reminded me of the the episode of Futurama where Bender becomes human and is just like full of vices. Mm-hmm. Huh. Like yeah. Having Beetlejuice yeah, and just a normal cool. Michael Keaton body, but just being sleazy is fun. Yeah, I thought that would be really fun to see, just Michael Keaton being yeah. human crazy. I well, love that. And much like with Bender ruining that body, like it, it, he starts out slim mm-hmm. and then ends up with the Beetlejuice gut. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And the hair it doesn't and, bathe you know, or anything. It's... Yeah, Bill eats bugs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What delicious! Anyone want to go next? Guests, I offer to the guests first. Um, no, Travis, you go. Hit it. Hit us up. Listen, I think we can scare them off ourselves tonight. I have an idea. This one's just called Beetlejuice Two. I don't feel like getting clever with the title. It'll be a current day sequel. Mm. So we're going to open in a very, very big mansion, not regular rich people, disgustingly rich mansion. A robber is breaking in, a cat burglar, um, but like a fancy cat burglar, like, you know, in uh, Ocean's 13. And it's John Cho, and he's sneaking into this house to steal something. This is like a big Xanadu estate. So he's breaking in to steal. It doesn't matter what, because he gets caught by the only person in the house, the woman who owns it, uh, Molly Shannon. Um, and there's a bit of an altercation. She's clearly like, I mean, he's a robber, so I guess it's kind of hard to be on his side, but she's very rich and going to be mean to John Cho. So she's definitely kind of like a crappy person. Um, and then through hijinks, they both die. I don't know, they fall down a staircase or something. And then uh, you get sort of like with the Maitlands, they kind of figure it out, but it's like moonlighting. They're arguing. They don't like each other. They don't have a relationship, but now they're both stuck in this house. Um, for according to the handbook that John Cho keeps reading that Molly Shannon won't read because she's used to servants, will be 125 years. So he go re- he reads the book. He realizes he needs to talk to his caseworker. He can't live in this house for 125 years with this insane woman. So he goes into the afterlife, which will be a nice, fun, um, updated-looking afterlife experience. His caseworker is Idris Elba, who's going to be, like, very dry, very, like, in a... Like, I'm just... It's his character from The Office. I'm just taking that character... He's in the afterlife now. Um, so he's got no patience for John Cho either. Just like Juno kind of like tells him what the deal is and sends him packing. John Cho gets back. No Molly Shannon. She's beefed out. She went out the front door while he was gone. He knows what's out there, though, on Saturn. So he's kind of worried because he doesn't like Molly Shannon, but he did technically get her killed. So he feels a little responsible. So now he has to go out and get her. 
most of this movie will now take place in the wastes of Saturn. Um, we get a little bit of, you know, sandworm, sandworm monster. He runs into a ghost, a bounty hunter, a robed bounty hunter who looks for wandering spirits on Saturn, takes them back to um, the afterlife. Now you got to be a caseworker for the rest of eternity because you got lost on Saturn. So it's either get eaten or go work forever. John Cho's not into that. He runs from this bounty hunter who is being played by Jack Black. Always into it. I, I am Jack uh, certainly Jack Blacking it up. casting toward yeah. my audience a little bit. I know. <laughs> I knew a Jack Black would get you very interested. Um, John Cho runs off away from Jack Black. He finds Molly Shannon. She's losing her mind. There's monsters everywhere, not just sandworms, but a lot of different fun kind of, I figure still like Henry Selick S stop motion monsters. Explains to her what's going on. Doesn't matter. They're still lost on Saturn. Can't find that door. Um, Robid figure shows up now, saves them from the sandworm. It's Beetlejuice. He's out in, uh, cause I don't know about that waiting room ending. I don't know. We can wave our hand and he got banished. I don't know, but he's been out on Saturn mm -hmm. for, since the movie ended. So he's going to try and help them kind of survive, but he has ulterior motives. He wants to use them to get out. They're looking for a door. He wants that door. All the while, Jack Black is tracking them. They get back to the door and it's a big fight. We got Jack Black, we got Beetlejuice, we got John Cho and Molly Shannon. They're all doing their ghostly thing to try to survive the monsters in the waste. Door's locked. Can't get in. That's weird. Who locked the door? Idris Elba. He's shown up with his master key ring. Social workers can open all these doors. He shows up. He doesn't want to be a social worker for eternity either. So he's going to round everybody up and trade them in to get out. And so now everyone's got to fight super ghost Idris Elba, who, because he knows the bureaucracy, he knows what levers to push. He's like crazy ghost. You can't fight him. The door gets destroyed. Idris Elba just destroys that door. He's like, you can't go back now. You're stuck here. You have no options. I destroyed your door. So they fight. Molly Shannon gets the keys. They're going through... Um, the waste, they find another door using the keys, because with the keys, you can go through whatever door you want. John Cho, Molly Shannon, and Beetlejuice go into the house, leaving Idris Elba and Jack Black to fight the monsters on Saturn. Now you're in trouble because Beetlejuice has got his agenda. So he starts using his whammy magic, like at the end of Beetlejuice, to try and get John Cho and Molly Shannon, you know, kick rocks, kids. I'm back, baby. I'm the ghost with the moat. So they're about to get their ass kicked when behind him, we hear Beetlejuice. He turns around. Winona Ryder, it's her house. And then Beetlejuice is like, oh snap. And then she says Beetlejuice again. And then I, you'll have one final moment of conflict uh, where like they almost, you know, she has to unzip her mouth or whatever. They just Beetlejuice them right the hell out of there. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you've got, now they're all in the house. And then I don't know, maybe we do something with like the Maitlands enter too. The implication being that they have the key ring, they're in this house. So now the Maitlands, John Cho and Molly Shannon they can go anywhere they want, still dead for 125 years. But if they want to leave the house and check out maybe Hawaii, they can. Like at Monster <laughs> Inc., they can just go through whatever door. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's that's it. That's it. That's the end of Beetlejuice 2. Okay. <laughs> I... <laughs> no, I, I... It's only because I am so comfortable with you, Travis, that um, <laughs> I'm going to say a couple of things. One... <laughs> And I can't believe I'm going to say this, no, but I no think that's ever, it. I, I, no sorry, one's ever so comfortable ahead. with me, they compliment me. Well, <laughs> the thing I can't believe I'm going to say is I think that's a miscasting of Jack Black. It's a, a little bit of a hat on a hat, because if you have Beetlejuice's energy, you don't need a right. Jables. That's true. So mm -hmm. I think just keep Elba as your bounty hunter. That's That would be my, that would be my note. Uh-huh. 
bad note. Second thing is uh, you're playing with time a little bit here. The Maitlands don't look like the Maitlands anymore. Yeah, that's why I was a, an iffy on bringing them in because you'd either have to just like keep, I mean, Gina's fine, but you'd have to keep Alec in the shadows or... <laughs> I'm hearing that you're on board with the pitch. There's just a couple of details you need. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had some onboardness for sure. Okay, whatever. I'm, I'm not hearing anything out of uh, Becca and Zach. I think it was great. I think I think there's a lot of movie that's happening just on sand dunes. Yes. Um I'm not gonna lie, there's there's there is several things that uh I was playing around with that is similar to that. So uh kudos for like minds. Oh yeah. Once again, Paul is proven wrong. I stay I stay away um, from Saturn though. Tone noted. All right, so I forgot about my fun facts. We got a lot going on. We don't need them, but I'll go I'll, I'll give one. Did anyone know that Catherine O'Hara met her husband on Beetlejuice? No. Um, no. I love actually, that. Actually, oddly enough, I think me and Becca went to a screening of Beetlejuice like in the park one time, and Catherine O'Hara was supposed to be there, but she couldn't make it because of something else came up. So She's she in sent. Canada. She, yeah. And so she sent this big, long letter that was the like speech, the talk she was going to give if she was able to be there. And I think she mentioned it there that she met. How, how much the movie meant her, to her because of that. Production yeah. designer, Bo Welch. Oh! Remains her oh. husband. And apparently Tim Burton was the one who encouraged Bo to ask her out. He Aww. was very much of a mind that's like he couldn't talk to the actors. And, uh, you know, sure. a long, lovely marriage. I, mm. yeah. Yeah. Aww, nice. I wouldn't even need a reason given as to why they didn't approach. I'd be like, no, of course not. She's, yeah. what are you? You. <laughs> what are you? Uh, just, just, a, yeah. just as a quick non-podcast heads up, uh, uh, we do have to pick up Flynn in like 20 minutes. Okay. Just, right oh, on. Oh. Um, okay, I'm going to... Okay, I'll do mine. I'll fast forward. We'll end with yours, or should we... Let's do yours. Okay, yeah. I'll do mine. Let's I can yours. also leave early and go pick up Flynn. I'd be happy to just send an Uber for Flynn. <laughs> oh, perfect. Perfect. Yeah, those are great. No right problem now. with that. Now. Let's turn on the juice and see what shakes loose. I didn't take a lot of notes like I know uh, you you guys uh, tend to do sometimes. So I'll just have to bank on my raw passion and charisma on this on this picture. note on notes noted. <laughs> so I don't I don't have a crazy title either. I was thinking Beetlejuice too, but I don't want to steal from from uh, Travis there. So let's say like Beetlejuiced. Beetlejuice like apostrophe B, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah right. It's dumb. It's 90s, but whatever. I don't hate it. <laughs> so it's a present I day. It. I want. And it starts in a big old mansion like Travis's, but this is a mansion with a family. Several generations of ghosts live in this house because <laughs> you become a ghost. Oh, bless, bless you. Me. You become a ghost if you know you die unexpectedly or whatever. And this family, I don't want to say cursed, but they have some bad luck. Mm. They all die. It's almost like the haunted mansion. You know, they all they are all either murdered. Or there's an accident or something. So anyway, this house, it's a big house. It's like the Winchester house. Mm -hmm. And it's got this family. No one's really lived in it for a while. It's a museum. It, it's kind of like the family from Coco. Like, mm -hmm. it's just several generations of dead people uh, that all kind of bicker and don't get along. And, and they're, they're well off. Uh, so they've got this kind of snootiness to them. And the younger of the... Um, kind of the youngest ghosts of the family. They aren't quite the same as as their uh the rest of their kin. They they're a little more down to earth. They're a little more normal. They are essentially our Maitlands. They're stuck, mm -hmm. obviously. In the meantime, 
if you know anything about the Winchester or any kind of historical places like that that are known to be haunted, they are a, a magnet to shitty ghost hunters. So a team of ghost hunters, super bro-y, just like assholes, they, they move in to the house, essentially. They, they set up cameras in every room. They got their like big uh, control room. They are going to catch these ghosts in the act. And of course, the family doesn't. They're keeping a low profile. They don't want themselves to be known. But who are you going to get to get these ghosts, these these ghost hunters out of their business? It, it It's going to be Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. And they think of Beetlejuice because the matriarch, who has been dead for several hundred years, has a bit of a romantic past with them. Yes. Anyone who's been. <laughs> so this is like, let's just say, let's just say it is an Angelica Houston. Mm. Mm, um, yes. or, or a Helen Mirren or sort of sorts, yeah. uh, you know, maybe used to dating back in the 1700s. So it's contentious now, obviously mm-hmm. anyone who knows Beetlejuice for more than five minutes has a problem with him. So they bring him in and he, he tries some stuff. Doesn't work very well. The ghost hunters are even they're professionals, even though they're whatever. So they kind of counter his stuff. He realizes he's going to need some help, uh, from the other side. So he recruits into his little scheme, uh, Lydia. Mm. So because they've he pops up every now and then to kind of torment her a little bit. And she always kind of slaps him back. They mm. have the, they, they, they are friendly with each other, but never really on the same side. Uh, it's one of those just he's a pest and he bothers her because it's mm. fun. Um, and anyway, so he gives her the sob story of this whole family and these kids who are sweet. but They just uh you know, they just need a little help. <laughs> so Lydia, who is now a medium, uh, she agrees like, OK, so she's going to go and like join the team of ghost hunters as a pretty renowned medium. She's she's uh, published some books. So the ghost hunters are like, sure. Yeah. A little minor celebrity that'll help our help raise our, our uh, fame. Um, and so she is sort of relaying information, fake information to the ghost hunters to sort of uh, sabotage their their efforts to try to get them be like oh nothing sorry we got we you know might as well leave um but of course beetlejuice got them ulterior motives mm-hmm. but beetlejuice turns out he is in cahoots with these ghost hunters he's been he's oh. there they've been buds since burning man <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he sent them there to get Lydia there. Like this was, this has all been a, a big scheme to trap Lydia. He, for the longest time has held this grudge because she bested him. She's bested him so many times and he starts doing his Beetlejuicy thing. And it's all an an attempt to sabotage Lydia and, and basically maybe possess her. And so the other ghosts of the family, the family who are always bickering or whatever, they have to join and and be uh you know they have to coordinate with each other they have to be a team they got to get to get along to uh to help lydia roust beetlejuice mm-hmm. and in the course uh basically destroy all of the ghost hunters anyway i was thinking after beetlejuice is again bested through magic uh at the end i thought maybe since the first one ended with lydia sort of Sort of getting, even though she isn't good with her mom, with uh, with Delia and her dad, the Maitlands still are sort of surrogate parents to her at the end of the movie. Obviously, their whole, the, you know, the math test and all that. I think 
she is grown up now and mature and but she doesn't have any children i think these young ghosts she's now the motherly figure in a family that doesn't really get along and they don't really have a supportive person in their afterlife i think uh lydia takes that form and and sort of maybe just sticks around the house somewhere but she is going to be a continuing presence they, everyone gets the good feels, and Beetlejuice gets maybe stuck back in that uh, office with a bigger number than he had last time. Beautiful. That's all I get. Awesome. And I think what you did that probably should be done with any Beetlejuice sequel is you found a new focus for your leads uh, with Beetlejuice, a, a supplemental character. I, I definitely think that that's probably the way to go. It is not the way I went, so kudos to you, uh, but I think I think... That's the move. That is absolutely the move. Just so I can squeeze as much from you sponges as I can in your limited time. Did you guys have any unsung heroes? Hit it, Paul Jr. Unsung heroes! Maybe the realtor? I really really love the realtor. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jane? Is that her name? Yeah. Yeah. The, I like the football uh, quarterback, I assume. Yeah. I don't think we survived that crash. That's definitely something Mario and I have tossed back and forth to each other over the years. A couple I notice, I do, I like Bill, the guy who is apparently, who runs the barber shop next to the hardware store that oh, just yeah. talks and talks. Oh, yeah. He adds a little moment. And I like Delia's agent, who I never really remembered from being a kid, but he's at the dinner party with them with the Calypso scene. And he yeah. just keeps bringing up how much money she's lost him and how she's a flake and all yeah. that kind of stuff. I think yeah. my unsung hero is the uh, perfectly straight chalk line Alec Baldwin draws whenever he's drawing the Which is <laughs> incredible. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. When you guys brought it up earlier, I, almost, I wanted to put down the dog that kills them essentially. Aww. He's adorable. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna try the Zagnut. I'm gonna get into it. You guys are welcome to go whenever you want. I'm not trying to hold you captive. It looks good. It is good. I get what that fly was on about. I will stick around, but uh... gotcha. Bye. Bye. Bye, Bye Becca. Same. Thank you so Bye. much. Bye. No worries. Must be still listening. That was great. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Um. Is is. Well, Zach doesn't have his, his earphones in right no, now. I do. Oh, God! <laughs> um, All right. What is the... Can you compare the Zagnut to anything? Well, I was I've not... not I was surprised. It's peanut butter and coconut, and I guess I assumed it'd be covered in chocolate. But what it is is more like a more peanut buttery Butterfinger center with a toasted coconut shell. That sounds great. It is really good. Yeah. I'm actually pretty surprised. I imagined it tasting like. Mm, yeah, it's good. So, my pitch. You guys better get another routine because those sheets, they don't work. So I got a little prequel in here as well as some sequel. So you'll see what I mean. No, I we see Beetlejuice alive in 1388. Oh. He is a Jewish man because of the accent he keeps doing throughout the movie. <laughs> Come on, get a little oh, nuts. Okay. You know. To make it less offensive. Exactly. Because it's the only <laughs> stereotype that he picks on. Yeah. So he is a Jewish man who calls himself a winemaker, but is really just a ne'er-do-well who bottles spit bucket wine and sells it as his own. Right. Yeah. Classic. Clever. 
Yeah. Uh, he is in love with a noblewoman named Jezebel, who is a mess of a person herself, played by Amy Sedaris, and oh. is so inclined to the drink that she'll even house his stuff. One day, they share a night of very unappealing passion, leaving him sprung on her. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry, I forgot to preface that sort of as a comment on something that you mentioned, Lauren, a, a running theme throughout the movie is Otho mentions that anybody who kills themselves becomes a civil servant in the afterlife. And that is true of everybody, including Beetlejuice, who apparently there was a deleted scene that explained that he killed himself over a broken heart by attempting to hang himself, but doing it so poorly that instead of breaking his neck, he <laughs> choked to death. God. Huh. Yeah. I always assumed just because Juno said it used to be his assist, her assistant. So yeah, I figured. Yeah, I never even thought about. So sorry. So now Beetlejuice in real life is sprung on this noble woman. <laughs> uh, he intends to propose marriage, but finds that she has been promised to a man of much higher standing. And so kills himself with a sloppily done hanging, as was always the idea. Okay, now we move on to present day. Lydia is a counselor who specializes in helping haunted homeowners work things out with their ghost inhabitants. Aww. Charles Dietz dies, and Lydia knows it the very moment it happens because she's so connected with the afterlife. At the funeral, we see that nothing has changed with she and Delia's dynamic over the past 35 years. They just don't get along. Beetlejuice, having been in the waiting room all this time, and I so apologize, I don't have a fix for the shrunken head. I don't think you need it. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. I, when I was thinking of it myself, I was like, magic, whatever. Yeah. I'm perfectly fine pretending that whole offensive joke just, we can just mush mm. over it. And he's still there. He's a ghost. He can change his form. That's all you need. Yeah. yeah. I definitely pictured like one of those, like he blows on his thumb and then his head inflates type of thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was as close as I got. Okay. So Beetlejuice, finally his turn comes up. He meets with his caseworker who happens to be the lost love that he hung himself over in life. She drank herself to death. She doesn't remember him just as she didn't really remember him in life. <laughs> while the meeting is going on, it seems as though he might be given a job as her assistant. But then she goes through his file and the extensive hijinks in his record count him out and brand him with the duty of sandworm keeper at the underworld zoo. He begs his way out of this job into a gig in the mailroom where he begins to wreak all kinds of selfish havoc and uh, get on the ner last nerve of his very put-upon supervisor, Mr. Warple, who's played by Eddie Jemison uh, the, from Ocean's Eleven, the, uh, the, li the okay. little guy. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention that when he is meeting with Jezebel as his caseworker, he sort of tries to sweet-talk her into lifting the curse that if you say his name three times, he disappears. You know, he gives like a... I got this curse on me, yet old crime ancient. I, I don't even, I can't even remember what it was. You think you can maybe fudge the paperwork or, you know, you know, that, that, that kind of thing where, where he tries to convince her to do it. She, she just says she'll think about it, doesn't fully agree to it, but uh, it is clear that they do still have chemistry. Delia, meanwhile, has made a name for herself over the years as a sculptor 
with her Beetlejuice works. Because at the end of the movie, we see that she sculpted Snake Beetlejuice. And that has been Mm -hmm. the biggest hit of her career. But has over the years fallen into obscurity. She's desperate. She's lonely after the loss of Charles and ultimately is the one who calls Beetlejuice back as a means of getting further artistic inspiration. So he's in the mailroom, he's causing trouble, and then he goes, he's called back to, to, to Earth. The terribly lonely Delia is swept up by his blatant perviness. He's just as, if not more, antsy as he was. So he comes onto her strong, and they begin having an affair. Ew. Uh, mm-hmm. Quickly bored of Delia and taking an interest uh, in Lydia's career, Beetlejuice duplicates himself and leaves the dupe with Delia. And I'm stealing this 100% from a Sabrina the Teenage Witch Halloween special. Makes a clone <laughs> of himself and teaches it some key phrases, then leaves it That's with fine. Delia. He starts messing with Lydia's business, pitching himself as her partner in charge of the bioexorcism division, and even nabs a few of her less savory ghost clients. The only way he'll agree to stop is if she helps him to be worthy of Jezebel. So then a lot of the plot of the movie is Lydia trying to help Beetlejuice be better. She tries as well as she can to improve the ghost with the most, but he is, not surprisingly, an impossible task. At the same time, Delia is still with the duplicate um, and through a series of misunderstandings uh, for the phrases that he says and, you know, the circumstances lead up to her crashing the car, her car, with the dupe inside um, and it's sort of sinking into the water like happens with the Maitlands at the beginning of the first one. Um, And while it's sinking, she's realizing that uh, it's like a Beetlejuice clone. And so that's where we leave her for now. When Beetlejuice himself believes that he's ready to go back and get her, uh, he asks her to send him back. She's two Beetlejuices in when Delia shows up, her rage palpable, and insists that he deserves a much worse fate. Lydia, disgusted by the fact that this affair occurred at all, agrees, and Delia begins the process of exercising Beetlejuice, so turning him into a lost soul. At the last second, Lydia feels pity for him and calls it off, convincing Delia to let the underworld sort him out. They send him back. He asks Jezebel out. She agrees. And as part of her coy response, she says Beetlejuice twice. And the whole time it's leading up to that, he's going, wait, wait, you kept it for yourself? What's going on here? (laughs) And then she says it the third time, but she says Beetlejuice and then stops herself. And he kind (laughs) of, you you got me right up to the itch there. Sometime later, back on Earth, Lydia attempts to better her relationship with Delia by bringing her into an office and acting as a counselor between her and the late Charles Dietz. Delia is overwhelmed by the lovely gesture, and then the two of them, Delia and Charles, begin arguing almost immediately through Lydia. Are you bringing in Jeffrey I am Jones bringing in sex offender Jeffrey Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not Boy. the first H. I thought that's why you I, killed him. It is kind of. Yeah, it is kind too. of. But that's why I only gave him a really small cameo. And I'm not the first to bring him back. Oh, okay. HBO did with the Deadwood movie. So mm. if that's where I lost you guys, that's fine with me. It's not. Well, hey, how's this? How's this? It's a counseling <laughs> session, but you don't see Charles. It's just Lydia speaking for Charles to Delia. Uh, I actually think that, that, that would be uh, very funny and... Uh... 
for Lydia right. to just That's speak right. for him. Yeah, and I, I think that works. Yeah, I also think arguing. it adds to part of the joke of the scene that I like, which is that she is, uh, it's like, oh, poor Lydia. She's stuck with these awful parents type yeah. of thing. Okay, so then the last scene I have is back in the underworld, we see Beetlejuice now working as a zookeeper, cleaning up after captive sandworms. He spots Aww. Jezebel out with her new boyfriend, Mr. Warple. She makes sure that they walk past and sloppily kiss right in sight of Beetlejuice. Then gives Beetlejuice a aren't you jealous type of look as they walk away. Motivated to continue their weird pervy people dance, Beetlejuice creates a dupe and leaves it to his own job as a zookeeper, goes off to pursue Jezebel. The duplicate is almost immediately eaten by a sandworm. The sandworm escapes and begins to cause mass chaos in the zoo. And that's the end. And the movie is called Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Oh, okay. That's not I like that. That's, that's good. It's a good. That's really clever. Cool. I have to say, there was a lot of really devastating moments <laughs> in your pitch for a fun sequel to a comedy supernatural film mm. from my childhood. Um, and I know that there's like some genuine stuff in Beetlejuice that's either scary or conceptually is like, that's really dreadful. Yeah, there's a lot of suicide in that first movie. Yeah. Well, your movie opened with just like a broken hearted guy in the 1300s choking to death in a dirty room. Hmm. Um, maybe with like the Belafonte underneath it, it plays funnier, <laughs> but it feels like a steep uphill journey from there. It is interesting when I read that, that that was the original, that was always the plan for how Beetlejuice died. They seemed to think that was funny. That it was like, <laughs> he tried to hang himself, but he did it so sloppily that he just choked well, to death on a rope. It's like, well, I guess. In their your movie opens with that. Right. So you think it's a little funny. Um, I think <laughs> Keaton could do it <laughs> somehow. Maybe the circumstance is funny, you know? This this could just be me. I'm a little worried that even though Beetlejuice is irreprehensible and uh, definitely 100% a villain, uh, seeing Delia choose to exercise him and make him a lost soul, we've seen how awful the lost souls are. I'm worried yeah. the audience is going to uh, turn on Delia. I think I think you want to see Beetlejuice bested, but you don't want to see that. I I get it. I think, I think Delia is kind of not, she's not much of a sympathetic character well, in general, I, but at the, well, okay. Okay. I would say like 10, per, 10 to 15% less horrifying dread in your pitch. And it's, yeah, all right. it all coalesced. I mean, we could sit here all day guys and throw notes back and forth. I mean, but I think the vote will speak for themselves. Votes, not notes. Am I right? Our new voting system is that everybody can vote for one that is not their own. Good, clean fight. And sort of see how it works out. And the candidates are Beetlejuice 2020, Beetlejuice 2, Beetlejuiced, and Beetlejuice Beetlejuice. Which, which one was Zach's? Zach's? <laughs> okay. So we have one vote for Beetlejuiced. That, yes, that is Okay. Well, I'm sorry, what? What just happened? I voted for Zach. Oh my God. Uh, okay, noted. Travis? Uh, well, this shames me now, but I'm voting for Lawrence. Oh. Yeah, I'm really excited to see um, Michael Keaton looking like Michael Keaton, acting like Beetlejuice, just in you know New York City or whatever. That sounds like a great time. It does sound like a great time. Zach? 
Um, hmm, it's tough. I honestly, I think I'm going to go with Travis's. Be because yeah. because I think like bickering enemies that have to uh, like live together forever, odd couple style, could be really fun. I think that's a really fun dynamic to explore. Thank you, Zach, for re- finally someone realizes that this is not an accident. But then also there's the flack that we mentioned earlier. But that well, the flack is always there. <laughs> no lack of flack. Leave me in the gutter where I belong. I have to give my vote to Beetlejuiced by Zach White. Whoa! You know what's really beautiful about this? You two kids picked me. You didn't have to, but you picked me. It makes me want to kiss you guys. Come on, come on. No, give you a nah, you hard one, huh? Which makes wow. you a continued all-star and our first continued all-star. Ah, uh, I did it. It's all I've ever wanted in life. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you for you know zero votes my way and uh <laughs> welcome uh, to the gutter thanks for and, inviting um, me back i really appreciate it this is always so much fun you remain oh thank you oh awesome Whew. okay we're still fun we're still fun guys Woo-hoo! Um, Get it. yeah now commencing this emergency follow-up showdown meeting with zach white thank you for being here zach oh my god the future it's so horrible i wish i could tell our past selves. <laughs> what those idiots don't see coming. Those poor fools. We are recording this on January, what is it, 23rd Tis. of 2021. And it is our the show's first emergency meeting because I neglected to ask for plugs uh, when we recorded the Beetlejuice episode. And I know this titan of talent I'm sitting with right here is going to have something Beetlejuicy oh. for us. So... Oh. Please, if you if you're into that spooky horror stuff, um, I, I am a, a horror filmmaker uh, with my partner Todd Spence, and we have the channel Midnight Video on YouTube. Uh, just search Midnight Video and then pop up. You can also see us on our website, BewareMidnightVideo.com. Um, it's just a bunch of fun little shorts that'll uh, maybe make you be yourself a bit. That is the guarantee slapped on the beginning of every one. Yeah, yeah. It's more, it's not really out of fright. It's more of a medical condition that we will somehow infect you with. It is worth it every time. I've just uh, gotten, you know, absorbent underwear. No problem. On the next follow-up showdown, subject is Son of the Mask. Our guest today is our resident expert on bad Jim Carrey sequels, Ethan Edinburgh. The worst part of the movie is when Jamie Kennedy has the mask on. That, to me, is rock bottom. Chemistry is off today. Happy to be here.